welcome to the ATEM podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 Hours of ATEM. So, for this sixth episode, we will cover Next Gen TV and ATSC 3.0 Roundtable. So, let's start the engines. Welcome, everybody. We're to our next panel, Next Generation TV and ATSC 3.0 Roundtable. Uh, in this session, let me give you a few. Uh, hopefully, we got uh, we have a few technical difficulties there, but uh, everybody should be on mute. We're not going to use uh, raising the hands functionality, and chat is disabled. Q and A is on, so looking forward to lots of questions at the end. So uh, please join in on those. So for this panel, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, technology, technology evolution around broadcasts. Um, you know, a lot of the impact ATSC 3.0, and uh, what are the challenges and opportunities for broadcasters? Um, we've got a great panel here today. Uh, let me do a quick introduction. We have Mikhail Rode from uh, ATEM, who is our chief technology officer. And we have Ann Shelley from Pearl TV. Uh, Ann is the managing director of Pearl TV, a business organization of nine of the largest U.S. station groups, representing over 75% of U.S. households. Company is located in uh, Washington, D.C. She's been working on the development and introduction of innovative platforms and broadcasts for over the last eight years. And prior to that, she spent 20 years in the wireless industry, including being a founder of the first digital wireless network uh, in the U.S. Sprint Spectrum. We also have with us Sam Matheny. Sam's from uh, NAB, where he is the executive vice president and chief technology officer. He's also usually based in uh, Washington, D.C., but uh, right now he happens to be uh, working remotely like most of us, and he's in uh, Beaufort, South, North Carolina. Um, we're enjoying a little better weather than we have up here in Boston, Massachusetts. Sam's been at NAB for seven years, and before that he worked uh, at the Capital Broadcasting Company for 19 years in various roles of increasing responsibility. He's worked in radio, television, satellite, internet services and mobile development companies that specialize in data and video network business models. He's currently an advisor to two startups that operate uh, over the top solutions in mobile data analytics and marketing space. He was previously the chairman of the task force on next generation television at ATSC and later a board member. And our last panelist is uh, Dave Brass, who's a colleague at ATEM. Dave is the VP of Strategy and Market Development in North America and spends a lot of focus in the broadcast industry. And with that, I'm going to turn the presentation over to Dave to uh, drive you through. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Anne and Sam, welcome today. Sorry about the uh, technical glitches to start with, but uh, hopefully we can move this along. So uh, I think uh, we're going to start off. Um, Sam, I'll start with you. Uh, you have a couple of slides just to talk a little bit more about NAB. I'm sure people have heard of NAB, but maybe they don't understand a little bit of some of the additional work you do behind the scenes. 
Sure, great. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, I'm delighted to be uh, with Anne again. She and I do a number of talks together uh, on uh, the rollout of NextGen TV in the United States and also uh, other opportunities around the globe, and so it is uh, great uh, to be here uh, with Tim and with Anne to talk about what we're doing uh, I think when most people think about NAB, they probably think about NAB show. Uh, a matter of fact, they may even refer to NAB show as just NAB. Um, and certainly our show of our operations and something that we uh, are delighted uh, to produce and promote and to bring uh, really people from all over the world together to talk about broadcasting and new media applications. And this year's show is going to be October 9th through the 13th, uh, which is a bit unusual for us, but I think COVID has us all doing things that are a bit unusual. So uh, we hope that uh, you will consider joining us in person at this show. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about is, um, uh, you know, we're not just a show. So when we say NAB, uh, we can go to the next slide. We're really thinking about the, the NAB as being the National Association of Broadcasters. And uh, from that standpoint, we are a trade association and we represent broadcasting, specifically terrestrial broadcasting uh, in the United States. Um, uh, and we do that uh, before our legislators and our regulators. And so when you think about our legislators, we're really talking about Congress, uh, the Senate, the House, and the folks who make the laws that uh, impact uh, the industry that we serve, uh, as well as uh, when we think about the regulators, we're primarily talking about the Federal Communications Commission or the FCC. Um, and so we're advocating on behalf of broadcasters, both radio and television, for things that are of importance to us uh, and our members. Uh, within NAB, we have a number of different departments. And uh, specifically, I lead our technology department. And our technology department is really focused on um, supporting our advocacy efforts in terms of gathering uh, relevant information for our uh, government relations team, as well as our legal uh, teams when they are, are uh, advocating before legislators and or regulators. Uh, but we also service a, uh, a very important educational uh, component. And that uh, is part of you know, what brings us here today. We are happy to be able to talk uh, with you all uh, about what we're doing uh, in the United States with uh, NextGen TV and ATSC3. Uh, but we also will take what I learned today because uh, you know, I learn more um, usually than, than I impart when I participate in things like this. And I'll take that back and share it with our members so that they're aware of what's happening um, and and of technologies that may be uh, of interest. So um, the last slide that I was gonna share was really a number of uh, web uh, addresses and resources and places that you can find and learn more about the NAB. Uh, NAB.org is our uh, primary website. Uh, our, our website, nabpilot.org is where we do a lot of our technology um, 
uh, work and we have our broadcast blog that covers a lot of the, the items that we'll be talking about today, as well as wearebroadcasters.com, which is a little bit more public facing and advocacy oriented. And then of course you can find us on social media. Um, uh, again, either our tech focus, which would be NAB pilot or um, uh, our um, uh, traditional sort of all everything we do at NAB would be at NAB tweets or on Facebook as well. So uh, that's a little bit about NAB uh, and and just saying that we're a little bit more than just uh, just a show. But uh, importantly, we hope you will join us at our show. Thanks, Anne. Um, Anne, I know you've got some information on the uh, Pearl TV. Yeah, so, uh, so it's a pleasure to be here. Um, also awesome to follow up behind Sam. We've been um, a tag team um, on these uh, Zoom conferences over the last couple months. There's lots of exciting things happening in NextGen, which we'll be talking about. So just a little background on Pearl. Um, earlier, it was mentioned we're a business organization. That's correct. Uh, we were formed over 10 years ago. Uh, now we more than 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Uh, to look at how collectively as, as companies, we could invest in forward thinking platforms and technologies that continue us to allow us to distribute our local news that we produce as affiliates of the networks across the country, um, across multiple platforms. The um, lead, senior leadership of these companies recognized consumers were shifting uh, their viewership, um, they're continuing to watch live linear broadcasts. It's still a dominant uh, medium for, uh, uh, for television, but also um, I'm sure you guys have kids out there, <laughs> mine certainly, on command, on demand type of content, um, all interested in continuing to get news, live news, sports and events and, uh, and premium programming, but in different ways. So. Uh, our group was formed to look into the various uh, platforms out there and to collectively pull um, our uh, business information and knowledge to develop uh, these new platforms. The next slide. And so one of the one of the um, things that we've been focused on, and I wouldn't call it one of a thing, it's a big thing, a really big thing, which is next generation television. Um, we we recognized uh, the need to expand our partnership beyond just Pearl uh, to uh, the networks, um, as well as all of the players in the ecosystem. And you'll see Pilot there, which is, um, I'm sure Sam will talk a little bit about Pilot at NAB, but uh, working closely with uh, uh, NAB's association, CTA, but all of these companies, including ATEM, over three years ago um, and brought them all together in an open test bed in Phoenix, which we call the Phoenix model market, uh, to develop the end-to-end -end ecosystem around next generation television to prove out how we would transition in the US. Uh, you know, how do we think about the consumer? We did a lot of consumer testing and I have some good news around what's going on there um, in terms of receptability to next gen in the US. But, uh, this is really where it's been happening, and now it's extended out beyond Phoenix, uh, which I'll talk about through the, the roundtable, but um, it's been a tremendous project. I'd say, you know, over 30 or $40 million invested between the TV manufacturers um, and all of these companies to develop what, what we're going to talk about is commercially launched today. 
Uh, in addition, uh, we've also extended out a test bed to Detroit. Um, it's the automotive test bed. There, the broadcasters are working on uh, automotive receptability and testing with the in, in US, you know, Detroit is uh, sort of the home of auto, uh, way back to the Ford days. And uh, we're working closely. I just uh, talked about Ford. We're working closely with Ford and other automotive companies and the tier ones and the broadcasters in that market. There's actually a dedicated um, uh, pipe that's been allocated to testing with broadcast where NextGen also plays a role, which I'm sure we'll be talking about as well. Um, so as an organization, you know, part of the role we play is to develop the underlying platforms that will be opened up to the industry to share our knowledge in terms of best practices and to really act as a conduit to all the companies that want to participate in the ecosystem, again, with our partners, NAV, CTA, uh, and others out there. So, you know, um, if you're interested in getting a hold of me, there's information in this deck. I'm sure you'll see it. Happy to ask uh, answer questions after this, but really look forward to getting into the meat of the discussion here. Okay, um, Andy, I think uh, let's switch over to the uh, start of the questions. Um, we're going to start, uh, go through a, a number of questions that we've uh, worked out between the panelists. And then at the end of this, we, we will have some time to ask questions from the audience and uh, Feel free to write in any questions you want to ask Sam, Anne, or Mikhail. Uh, so on the first topic, let's talk about the, um, Andy, if you want to switch to the next slide. If on the first topic, let's talk about the deployment status. I, I, we've included here the, the map of where we are on this, but maybe Sam, you can talk a little bit more about how we can drive this forward and, and what else has been happening behind the scenes. Well, so um, uh, one, I want to give great uh, kudos to Anne and her team at Pearl because they have really been leaders in uh, in this deployment. Uh, the map that you see here is one that is really comes from the ATSC website, and uh, they uh, are tracking markets uh, that are, are going live. I think we're uh, north of uh, 20 markets now that have launched in the U.S. Uh, and importantly, um, you know the way. That, that they're launching uh, is that there are multiple actual stations that are participating in a market launch. So just because I say there are, say, 20 markets that are... Our uh, live next gen TV that is somewhere between 80 and, and maybe even 100 uh, different uh, next gen services that are being offered across uh, across those stations. And so uh, Anne may want to talk a little bit more about how they're collaborating and the unique way that this is taking place. Uh, what I would just say is that if we look backwards at ATSC uh, 1.0, so when we moved from analog to uh, digital, uh, in the U.S., um, which at the time, uh, back in 1996, I was working for Capital Broadcasting then. They were uh, uh, actually in July of 96, the first station to go on the air and transmit a digital signal in the U.S., um, you know, uh, at that point, the government had a, uh, they gave each um, TV station a second channel in which to operate and uh, to deploy this next gen service. That is not the case 
this time. Uh, and so that is an important thing that that really Ann and, and the folks at Pearl and others in the industry are, are uh, very successfully uh, um, attacking and managing, which is how do we launch Next Gen TV in the United States without the benefit of additional spectrum? So uh, what you see here in orange are markets that are uh, on the air with ATSC now, uh, and then you see others that have uh, been announced or that are even, you know, been announced and are getting really close uh, to launching. Um, and I'll let Ann talk about some of the goals uh, for uh, this year and, and uh, what we can expect coming next. Um, thanks, Sam. So you'll see down there the source is www.watchnextgentv.com. That's actually the consumer-facing website that was launched by broadcasters uh, this last October. Uh, you can go on there. You actually can uh, click on the city and see what stations, what content's on air uh, in these various markets. You can also see when the markets will be available because uh, we're, we're pretty on target with our launches. You know, we have to file the FCC, et cetera. Uh, but to, the purpose of this, this, this website was to, to start to bring out the brand to the consumer, to let them know that these stations are turning on. Um, and also to help them find how to get a TV that has the next gen um, uh, capability and enabled on it. Um, earlier on your deck, you had the next gen TV logo. Um, that logo is part of the CTA uh, conformance program and uh, receiver manufacturers go to the CTA, they meet a certain level of conformity. We've worked with uh, the CTA on, the, on those tests. That is a service that we're offering. So consumers know now what, how to find next gen and they know when they buy a receiver that it supports a next generation television. And then they, they're gonna know how to find out whether they can get it in their market. If you go on the site, you'll see that by the end of this year, we'll be above 60% of household penetration in the United States, uh, possibly close to 70% or higher. And we're, we're sort of rapidly deploying you know, Sam mentioned the challenges uh, for next generation television because it's voluntary for the broadcaster to transition. It's voluntary for a consumer to go buy a new television. Um, and it's voluntary for the TV manufacturer to enable next generation television. But there's an, uh, enough market pull um, in the US because of the consumer experience that will be delivered, which we'll talk about um, soon. So already 20 models were announced um, at the CES 2020. And this year, we have about 55 or 60. CNET just did a great article on all the televisions that will have next generation TV in them. The economics uh, to include a next generation TV chip is, is, is um, pretty scalable. Uh, and CTA has put out numbers. I think we're going to show them here. So I won't steal that thunder. But uh, in terms of, so that's what's driving the market. And we'll get into the features and attributes that broadcasters care about. But we recognized we needed to, to it's a chicken and egg thing. We need to get stations on the air. And the way we're doing that is collaborating with one another. So what I like to think about it is it's no different than when 5G launched on top of 4G and 4G launched on top of 3G. When you go buy a new phone, it has all the Gs on it. But you might not live in that 5G world, but you know, you're going to probably buy that next phone just to get ready for that 5G. Similarly, consumers are recognizing next gen is the next generation of technology. It's upgradable for the future. Um, it's going to bring them um, more services and benefits. 
And so that's the reason why they're purchasing and will purchase televisions. And at the same time, we're just enhancing our existing services with next generation. So our old services aren't going away. It's almost like we're overlaying, finding spectrum, allocating amongst ourselves um, that spectrum, sharing that. And then uh, over time, eventually you'll have a transition fully over to next generation television. When that happens, we don't know. Uh, but I can tell you just looking at the scale projections, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about the future for next gen. And actually, I think we have an opportunity to, to accelerate transition uh, over the next seven years. So on that note, um, Andy, I'm going to ask if you can put the poll question up. Uh, we wanted to ask a question around uh, what do people feel is, the, is going to accelerate deployments fastest? So maybe you can put that up. And uh, in the background, Mikkel, um, uh, as a question to you, um, from a technology standpoint, obviously we're talking about ATSC-1 migrating to ATSC-3, but uh, what happened to ATSC-2? Uh, so didn't uh, started uh, like expected so so that's something that uh, was not happening so that's uh, that's why we have a, a big change in between atsc 1.2 and 3.2 and something that is quite interesting in what uh, the us are doing is that they are not considering a previous standard at all so they are moving from one technology to another technology so 3.2 is not backward compatible with 1.2 which is quite important in the end and uh, and this is, I think, what is making the success of it at, at the end, because we are not taking care of what was the past, except in the transition between 1.2 to 3.2. So we have to repack and do more compression if we want to have the same quality for the previous one that are still looking at 1.2 and for the new one that are looking at 3.2. But uh, in, in this case, that's the only thing that they have to go, and that's where we are transitioning in, uh, on ourselves in between 1.0 to 3.0 is to provide a better compression efficiency for 1.0 so that they have the same quality in the end. And then we can transition to 3.0, the new, uh, the, the new cells that want to go to the 3.0. To the okay. Andy, did we get some votes? We did. We did. As usual, uh, content looks like king here. Uh, the two top winners were consumer poll and more content would accelerate deployment. So um, coming in after that was a little bit of just more spectrum, but it looked like the focus was more around consumer uh, pull and content. Okay. Uh, any final comments, Sam or Anne on, was that expected or? Um, yeah, I think I think what's interesting about this technology and just where things are with consumers, is it's, 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 this is a transition, um, so I think that there's there's almost like an expect it, it, it's it, it's almost going to be part of the tech out in these sets, uh, and um, consumers are getting a better experience. We'll talk about that. Uh, we just ran a five market campaign over the air um, with over nine thousand spots over the holidays and have feedback from consumers. Uh, and for them, it, it's, it's expected, um, you know, innovation and new technology is expected. They're conditioned um, to look for it. 
Uh, and this notion of upgradability, which is new to this platform, is probably one of the number one features that consumers responded to, which is it gets better and better over time. Uh, and obsolescence and, and concerns about buying a product that's going to become obsolete over time is something that they do get concerned about. So that's one of the features that really plays well with consumers, and we could deliver that on day one. Um, so again, I, I think it's almost, you're going to see scale happening naturally um, as part of the way the marketplace is moving um, with a set inclusion of the tuner chip. Okay. All right, let's uh, move on to the next question. Um, the One of the big areas of change in ATSC 3 has been, you're bringing it together both OTA and OTT. Um, do you see something really driving the OTT side of this as, as being required as part of this? Uh, and, and if so, it, what's it going to give the standard by, by combining the two? Sure, Sam. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with that. So when, you know, and this is, I'm going to try to tie this back to, you know, what Mikhail was talking about earlier. Um, you know, when we at the ATSC were investigating what a next-gen standard should be, it, it wasn't just, oh, let's bolt on internet. Um, you know, and, and we were, we didn't want, you know, sort of a, a Frankenstein of it. What we wanted to do, we said, let's start with a clean sheet of paper and let's design and take advantage of the better compressions that are available, uh, the better physical layers that are available. And in this case, the better transport that's available, which is IP transport or internet protocol. And so when you break down the standard and you start to come up the stacks of, you know, what's in each layer of that technology stack, um, it, we felt like it was important to, to use a common IP stack that would enable both. And then what that enables is at the receiver for uh, you to do some very, very unique things. And so this is one of the areas that I'm pretty excited about, not just because it allows for things like interactivity and, and applications and, and new ways of engaging viewers, uh, but also because it provides a broadcaster with a lot of flexibility with what they can do and and in particular, one of the things that we've been looking at lately, um, including with a Tim, is scalable video coding and the idea of using that over the air part of the signal to, let's say, deliver high definition video uh, out, uh, which is something that, you know, we're very adept at doing today. But then maybe we use the broadband connectivity to provide an enhancement layer that for viewers that um, have that capability, they can then get a full uh, 4K UHD with HDR sort of experience. And, um, and we didn't have to, as broadcasters, have to allocate all of our spectrum to delivering that signal um, or all of our capacity to delivering that signal. And so it, it really provides a lot of flexibility for a broadcaster to be able to provide very uh, engaging and enhanced services uh, without having to fully carry the burden or the weight of that uh, just inside of that six megahertz channel, which is what we use in the US. So 
That's an example of one of the ways that uh, we think that, you know, the combination of over the air and OTT uh, isn't necessarily a binary choice of, oh, I'm going to do OTA and now I'm going to switch to OTT, which is really the way a lot of people think about it today, because that's how your smart television set works. I'm either going to use my antenna or I'm going to switch over to the apps. And no, this like brings those together and provides a wonderful opportunity uh, for broadcasters to do some really creative programming and for end users and viewers to have an exceptional experience. Thank you. Dan? The, the thing I would add there just um, the, to what Sam said is just from a consumer perspective, the, the, um, it allows us to launch web browser, right? It's a really, we're, we're launching web pages. So everything you can do on web pages, we can do as a live linear broadcast. So think about that. Um, and every monetization um, opportunity you can do um, on the web, you can do now in a live linear broadcast. And that's a very different model than what broadcasters have had in the past. So that allows us to, and in addition, it's secure. It's as secure as the web for delivery of content. The same security protocols are being used uh, for next generation television. So, you know, think about the ability to address, do addressable advertising, addressable content, um, interactivity, uh, you know, in terms of where consumers are coming in on broadcast and next gen is differentiator interactive is one of the big dif differentiators as well as the voice um, Dolby voice platform which allows for personalized voice so this concept yep. of personalization is brought to the consumer and they're conditioned for it this is what they're getting in native apps today on connected televisions and now they can find it in live linear um, for the first time ever and that is a big seller with consumers and just uh, one thing I do want to mention, so they don't see the numbers up here, CTA projects 24 million televisions uh, in homes by 2024. We think that's very conservative. Uh, it doesn't account for accessories that will also be sold. So again, um, viewers, uh, viewership ramp will be pretty significant over the next two years for next gen. Mikkel, Sam mentioned HBC. Uh, SHVC before, um, you want to talk about little, some of the technologies that we're combining here and, and some of the things we've been doing? Yeah, we have been granted by NAB for, for one, uh, one award, one technology award uh, uh, three years ago for that. Uh, so it was to combine scalable HVC with, uh, so we send by a full broadcast the base layer and we receive through the broadband the announcement layer. So that was a preliminary uh, version of it. And it was quite successful during the NAB uh, that we were doing that with some, uh, some of our partners that we were having in a French collaborative project. So that's something that we have started also uh, to promote inside the ATSC Fulotto as a demo to promote uh, scalable HVC, and we were the first vendor to do, to do that inside the ATSC committee. Uh, just to promote uh, what Anne was also mentioning before, the fact that we can uh, uh, see uh, on a web browser uh, something coming from the broadcast. At the same time, we are seeing something coming from the broadband, which is quite unique. So what we have is the HTML5 
uh, web browser, and then you have all the capacities from the web browser that you are having with uh, with ATSC Preloto, which I think is compelling for the for the industry in the end. And nobody's knowing where it comes from the signal, but uh, that's something that then you can interact a lot with the with your web browser. Okay. Um, just going back to, sorry, I, I think we switched on too many slides there, but uh, just going back on some of the technologies, uh, uh, Anne or Sam, uh, some of the some of the things that have been involved here, obviously, moved to HEVC, scalable HEVC, but also AC4 audio, uh, next generation audio. Um, what what do you think are some of the key things? From a consumer and from a helping to drive this in the uh, drive acceptance of this through sort of consumers. And you want to you want to start? Yeah, with that so one? Um, so so we and I okay. So I'll show a little bit of my female ignorance around audio. Um, I'm not an audiophile. Like you know, growing up with stereo and cars, boyfriends, husbands, whatever. <laughs> always had to have the better stereo system. I didn't really care. Um, I got a huge appreciation for Dolby's system when we tested it in the lab and um, sat down with their sort of scientists around this, how much audio emotes emotion and, and especially in terms of theater-like quality sound. So immersive audio, which is part of the Dolby audio system. And, uh, and then the, and these other features like voice plus. So the ability to boost the voice over the background noise. Um, I, you know, I wasn't even aware that millennials, if you're watching a sports program, like if you ask half sports viewers, they tend to turn on closed captioning because they want to be able to actually hear what's going on. Um, or you have a party in a crowd watching the Super Bowl, you can actually hear it. Um, consistent loudness. Uh, and this I have experienced as you're watching a show and you, you and you, the next show comes on and or, and or you change the channel and the audio is just at a just exponentially higher level and you feel like you got blasted off your sofa. Um, and then object-based audio, the ability to, to deliver, and, and we haven't even launched some of these features yet, some of the, just the basics, uh, uh, to, to be able to deliver different languages, um, all kinds of things that, you know, audio is, is a really interesting in, area to innovate on. And I've been watching sort of Spotify do that um, recently, but we tested all of this with consumers and they came out and rated this as an, almost a number one feature on NextGen. Because of that, we, we went back to Dolby and said, gee, I guess, you know, wow. Um, and so they've, they've um, branded, it, this is Voice Plus. So Voice Plus is a new brand um, that's going out as part of the Dolby AC4 audio system that's part of NextGen. It's inherited in all the TV sets that are out there. So it's their day one. Um, it's not a production element for us. It's their day one for the consumer. And in our early messaging um, and our, and our marketing and our ad campaign, it came back as a huge differentiator again with consumers. So they would go buy the televisions purely for the audio. And uh, that's, a, I think, something that the TV manufacturers have recognized is CTA actually is the organization that branded Voice Plus with Dolby and the TV manufacturers. So kudos to them. 
look for more innovation around that, around next gen. I'm really excited about it. Sam, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I think I was going to, uh, what I'll talk about, because you covered audio really well, but I'm, I'm going to talk about video and, you know, sort of everybody, a lot of people, you know, um, use 4K and, and UHD interchangeably. But I, I, you know, if it's just more pixels, but they're, you know, what I call poor pixels, uh, you know, then that's, uh, that's not necessarily going to provide that much better of a viewing experience. But fortunately, because of, um, you know, the, the work that's being done on the video side, these, these pixels are, are much richer uh, in terms of being able to support high dynamic range, a wide color gamut, uh, higher frame rates. Um, uh, a greater bit depth, you know, all of those things without getting into all of the technology of them basically means you're going to have a much richer and more immersive and better uh, viewing experience than, than you're able to have today. So I think that is something that viewers are really uh, going to, uh, to uh, attach themselves to. But, you know, the other element is the HTML5 notion of, of an app. And that app could be very simple in terms of something that allows you to personalize the broadcast to you. And we've done some uh, examples of this where we work with Fox to say, what would a NASCAR uh, race look like if, uh, you know, you turned over some of the control to the user so that they could pick their favorite camera view, they could ride along with their favorite driver, uh, uh, things such as that. Uh, but there's also, it could be accessibility issues where, you know, uh, you can uh, use that um, broadband connection to pop up another little picture in picture of someone doing sign language if you needed to, or uh, have a lot more going back to audio capability of, of, uh, of getting, uh, picking who you want your announcer to be. Right, uh, you don't necessarily have to go with uh, with the announcer um, that that is selected for you. If you wanted to to have a little bit more of a, um, a personalized experience, you could do a different audio channel. So, uh, between the 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 improvements in in video and audio that Ann mentioned, plus the personalization feature, I think those are things that are going to come together to to provide a an overall uh, heightened user experience that's going to make it uh, more personal enjoyable to people okay um all right just a quick time check we got a about 15 minutes left on this call so i want to uh, we may have to uh shorten our answers a little bit on some of the next ones i want to make sure we get we get enough time to talk about some of the future things as well but uh um quickly on the next question we we had uh we wanted to talk about interoperability and conformance and i think uh I'm going to ask um, uh, Anne here if maybe you can give us a quick overview of this in terms of what Pearl has been doing, because I know NAB has also got some input here. Yeah, um, sure. I, kudos to NAB. I might ask Sam to start because they worked um, closely with CTA to, to establish the framework for this, um, and I can't uh, thank them enough for that. So if Sam, uh, Sam could talk about it, and I, what I'll follow up is sort of how we're thinking about it um, moving forward. 
Great. So um, an answer to hit on it a little bit earlier in terms of the next gen TV logo program. I think that's the ultimate thing that the consumer will see when they go into a store, they will see that next gen TV logo uh, on the box and they'll know that this is a, a set that is capable of receiving ATSC three and executing the full functionality and benefits of it. What I would say is we've got a multi-step process where within the ATSC, we have something called our conformance implementation team. Uh, they, uh, work together to review what are the elements of conformance that, that we think are most important. They rank those. That gets, I'll just say, ingested by CTA and NAB. We are working very closely together to uh, further prioritize that and then implement it in the form of developing uh, a test suite. Uh, those test suites are ones that then ultimately the CE manufacturers implement, and they have to pass all of those tests to be able to earn the right to use that logo. And so um, the list of tests initially was, you know, this big, and then now it's this big. And each year we keep adding more. Um, uh, and so we tried to start with the, what was absolutely the most important. And now we're expanding that out because this is uh, it's a very big standard, but we um, are focused on trying to make sure that there's always a, a very positive user experience to, uh, for the end user, uh, regardless of which uh, configurations a broadcaster might choose. Uh, Anne, you want to build yeah, on that? Only, the only thing I would add to it, so, um, so that's, that's for the, the, the service and, and a lot of the aspects, and then there's another conformity program that's attached to the CTA conformity program, which is the ATSC Security Authority. Uh, so they have a test program that ensures that the uh, certificates that are loaded at factory for the content and security protection are tested as well. And they work very closely with the CTA. And then there's also an application framework that's been developed for the industry that, that'll be coming out in earnest this year. It's developed by Pearl and the Phoenix Partners. And that also has its test protocol uh, that'll be working with the CTA on. What I think has been really unique um, is a collaborative effort that's happened between broadcasters providing test materials, uh, NAB sort of creating the mechanism with CTA and funding that early process. And over time, as we look at um, feature roadmaps, again, I brought up this upgradability concept. Uh, you know, this is a versionable service uh, we're just at the very beginning, we're on that O, uh, we're, we're, you're going to see it get better and better. And, and so there'll be a mechanism in place that the, we're always constantly working with CTA and NAB uh, to continue to look at new features and functions that will roll out over time uh, over this platform, giving the consumer a better and better experience. Mikhail, any thoughts on that? Yeah, just to, uh, to give a bit of history, since uh, all the equipments are new in this ecosystem, so that was, uh, we have participated to a bunch of uh, experimentation at ATEM, all, I think all of them at some point. <laughs> we have been quite, uh, quite a lot in, uh, in various events, and, uh, uh, and it has been really fruitful for everybody, but uh, we have to notice that all the equipments that we had to put in place in various places of the ecosystem were new from the very beginning to the end, except maybe Scotty 35 messages that are coming from the past, but for the rest, everything was new and uh, everything was to be developed. So 
and that was the, the tricky part in the end to know which part was not working because everything was new. So every equipment was coming with a new release each time you are going to a, to a new event. So that's, uh, that's the thing that we have uh, also to take into account when it's becoming to, to be new, like, like what it was uh, during those, uh, those events that was for sure coming before the, the COVID situation, I would say. Okay, so if I could real quickly, I know we're supposed to go fast, but I just want to give a, a shout out to Mikhail and the team at Tim here because, um, you know, I focus very much on the conformance piece of it, but we have in cooperation with CTA operated a, a test station in Cleveland for many years, and we hosted interop events and uh, a Tim has been a wonderful participant in those and that's where we're you know, bringing all these things together, plugging them in together and finding out where things break and what we need to fix. Uh, that station has since been shut down as part of the repack, but all of that is now in our lab uh, in Washington, D.C. at NAB, and we continue to operate that. And uh, uh, we're just very grateful for Tim's support and participation. No problem. Thank you. Um, I want to switch over to another question, uh, but also while we're doing this, Andy, maybe you can put the poll, the next poll question up. Uh, we had a question, which was, what's the biggest influence on the rollout of ATSC3? Um, what people think. So I'll put that question up and people can answer that. The question I wanted to ask next was um, talking about some of the enhanced services that we've got coming here. Um, some of the things that we see in terms of uh, Inter interactivity with uh, OTT. We talked a little bit about before. Monetization, dynamic ad insertion. Um, those are all things that we've got uh, coming in. Question I wanted to ask you is just, what do you see as potentially the biggest driver of monetization for the stations or the people involved in, in ATSC? And I'll, I'll go to Sam first. <laughs> Ah, well, um, I am no longer, well, when I was at Capital, I was very much involved in the monetization game, but that's not really my, uh, my space right now. But, uh, but what I would, I would say is, you know, things that you've hit on the, the ability to personalize uh, content, including advertising and provide uh, targeted ads. I think that is certainly an area that is very much of interest. Uh, I think the uh, ability to um, develop uh, applications that might drive non-traditional revenue. And an example that I would give is one that CBS developed um, uh, in partnership with us last year, where they uh, took their news program, uh, they focused on a segment called The Dish, uh, created an internet, uh, or excuse me, an interactive application around that, that enabled um, uh, like three or four different new revenue streams. Folks could buy uh, the book from the author that was being featured as part of the segment. Um, you may know that Viacom CBS owns another uh, division uh, that is actually, you know, publishes books. So uh, you could actually buy the ingredients of the recipes because this was a, a cooking, um, all the authors are, are authors of cookbooks. And so you could actually buy the recipe. Uh, you could share content out to social uh, networks. Uh, so that enables greater viewing and greater engagement. Um, and, and then you um, can 
uh, have the data that from uh, all of that as well and, and use that in future programming decisions and sort of sort of that, you know, using that data to understand your audience, I think is is might not be a direct, ah, we are going to tie, you know, $50 million of new revenue just to that. But I think it's really going to shape the way broadcasters program their channels. Anne, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I, um, I, I agree with what, everything that Sam said. You know, when we first looked at sort of where do we start with next gen, it's got, you know, and I, I'm going to take this from you, Sam, it's, it's got a Swiss army knife of, of capabilities, which I love when he describes it that way. Uh, you know, starting in the home um, where we already have a viewership base uh, and how do we innovate in the home and you know, the, the hybrid nature of the platform allows us to know who our viewer is. Um, that's something incredibly unique for broadcasters, which brings in the addressable advertising as sort of one of the first key monetization aspects. But also, you know, the, the secure aspect of the platform allows us to do sort of these authenticated business models that we haven't been able to do before. So that's back to what Sam mentioned in regards to the DISH, the ability to authenticate and do um, unique things um, with consumers that they might be doing elsewhere on the web as tied to a, a consumer show. Um, so, you know, dynamic advertising or addressable advertising, that's also a factor of, of that's already being driven out in the uh, industry now. You'll, you're seeing that pick up with Live Linear. And this platform just allows us to plug into the and be agnostic and allow broadcasters to plug into their backend systems and drive that through the platform combined with the hybrid environment. Um, so those are the starting places. Uh, you know, think you know when I start to think about these applications, you know, the, the shopping aspect, sports betting, I think is going to be a driver. Start to see some applications around that with NextGen. Um, and I, I was looking at that sort of what's going to drive. Um, you know, consumers expect the UHD service. Um, we're launching majority of our stations at 1080p, which is already better experience than what they're used to. It's the HDR, and you'll start to see sports content coming out in that. But again, it's all these other features. Um, so, so you can't think about it in one way. Um, again, back to Sam's um, point about the Swiss Army knife. There's so many things that we can do. The, the way we're thinking about building out this platform is as a platform that enables optionality. Um, we are distributors of content also to cable. So we're integrating with cable to bring the next generation formats to cable as well. Uh, so it's not just one place OTA, it's, it's multiple distribution points. Think of it as new formats for us, um, new ways of developing and delivery of content with a connection to the consumer. All right, um, I'm gonna switch over to the last question, and I'm going to combine really what we had as the last two questions. Uh, both of these are tied to the future. And Mikhail, I, I know you've uh, not said much, but I'm going to ask each of you to give me sort of a minute of, of overview of what you see next in this uh, space in terms of driving, not, not just driving ATSC3 forward, but also where do we go beyond this? Um, and that could be internationally spreading out. That could be um, just, is there going to be an ATSC 4 or 3.1 or something else beyond that? 
but where do you see the next thing? So Mikel, let me start with you. Um, and I'm going to ask you all to try and keep it down to about a minute. <laughs> so th th there is probably, uh, uh, let's say, 5G network that, uh, that will come and uh, probably, uh, uh, let's say, for Unicast at least, will be something that uh, will provide to, to everybody uh, a big uh, uh, data rates that can be used for uh, various applications. Uh, there, there is also in Europe, at least, uh, they, they are maybe they will be maybe using it in uh, in various uh, places so the uh, atsc was already there in uh, in the us so that's, uh, that may not be happening with uh, 5g but maybe 6g because they are, they are running really fast in this direction at least uh, something that is quite interesting is what uh, what sinclair is doing with atsc fluto with uh, mobile first and uh, being able to receive uh, ATSC uh, Fudoto in the car. So I think that's something that uh, needs to be taken into account uh, for ATSC Fudoto at least, that uh, it is robust and we can receive uh, ATSC Fudoto in the car. Let's see what happens with the next gen modulation scheme. Okay. And do you want to take a stab at what you see? Yeah. Now? So, I, so I have the, you know, I'm also sit, sit on the ATSC. Uh, board and, and, and NAB does as well. It's actually the chair is um, Lynn Cloudy from NAB. So, you know, from a pro perspective, we're, we're highly focused on success in the US. Um, uh, you know, from a, if I put my ATSC board hat on, we are certainly looking at and working in other countries. Uh, this is such a unique platform uh, that the success in the US, I think absolutely is gonna carry over to other countries. Uh, we're also looking at, and, and what I love about how ATSE approached the platform is ensuring that we're scalable with existing um, global uh, technologies, whether that's HTML5, you know, the, the, the security protocols we've chosen. Uh, you know, we, we're content, content producers in uh, my companies, and so we would like to distribute our content globally. Uh, you know, certainly in the U.S., but we have, you know, take scripts with Court, Court TV. They just launched in, uh, with, in, in the U.K. with Freeview, and uh, they're killing it, and they're doing HBB TV applications over there. So, you know, I, I think NextGen definitely will, will have many versions. Um, I am so focused on ensuring over the next three years that we really scale here, and I can certainly see that happening without a doubt. Um, and, you know, more to come this year, but 2022 is really where you're going to see more TV manufacturers coming in. Uh, I think a lot more accessory devices and a real path to a, uh, to a, a knowing of when that transition could occur in the U.S. Um, and some of the innovation that I think will help to drive some of these other markets. Sam, we're already out of time, but I'm going to give you the last word to uh, finish this. So if you can... Uh... All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll try to do it quickly, but I just uh, I, I really want to sort of echo uh, a lot of what Ann said. Uh, I think that the a lot of uh, hard work is, and deployments are going to take place in the United States, and and that is certainly an important market. But uh, but pay attention to what's happening globally. I mean, of course, uh, this is already launched in Korea. Uh, it launched there first, uh, and uh, they are doing some amazing work uh, in that market. 
market. And I would remind everybody that the ATSC is an international standards development organization. This standard uh, has contributions from the EU, from China, from Korea, from the United States. And uh, there are countries that are, are testing it uh, and considering it uh, around the globe, including Brazil uh, and, and others. So I think that uh, there's a, a, a very uh, real uh, chance uh, that folks are looking at the fact that this is IP based and, uh, the, and saying, you know what, if I'm gonna do something next gen, uh, I'm either gonna do ATSC3 or I'm gonna do something that's a, a whole lot like ATSC3. Uh, and so I, I, that's sort of my prediction. Sam, and thank you very much for joining us today. Apologies for the uh, technical issues we had at the start. Uh, Mikel as well, thank you, Andy. Um, yeah, thank you everybody, sorry for the technical issue. I think uh, anybody who does have questions, if you want to put them in the chat and we'll try and get back to you with an answer. Uh, we unfortunately ran out of time and I guess uh, the next session there's already panelists here waiting to jump on and start. So. Thank you, it was a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Well, and appreciate thank all you, you for, do. For, for joining us, yes. Thank yes. you, Sam. Thank you, Pam. So there you have it with the sixth podcast. If you would like to find out more, you can go to the atem.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover turning up OTT services in the cloud. Don't miss out!